Hey, greetings and salutations from Elfie's World. This is the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and you know, maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Boy, I am so glad you decided to join us. Now today, we're presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. These are true stories which have been, well, either excluded from the pantheon of history or eh, maybe not given quite the attention they deserve for, eh, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. You know, this is episode number 52, and it is entitled, And a Song Was Born. So, kick back, relax, and enjoy. You know, whenever anyone asks the question, what was the first truly American form of entertainment? Well, the first response of many might be to think of, well, of jazz, or maybe the American musical theater. <laughs> but there was another form of entertainment that started over 170 years ago and swept the country with its popularity. It was known as the Minstrel Show. Now, this unique form of merriment had its origins way back in the 1840s. The father of this blackface show was Thomas Dartmouth Rice, popularly known as Jim Crow. He was an early white performer who impersonated African Americans on stage. His performances popularized this form of theater. Its peak of popularity was from, well, from about 1850 to about 1870. Minstrel shows were one of the main types of amusement in the United States until the latter half of the 19th century, when it evolved into vaudeville, and then later into radio, television, and even into the movies. Now, the most important of these early minstrel shows was organized one by one E. Christie. It was called The Christie Minstrels. Now, many of the songs written by Stephen Foster were for minstrel shows. Now, most of these shows were performed by white performers who performed in blackface to impersonate African Americans, mainly in harmful ways. Unfortunately, this perpetuated certain negative stereotypes of African-Americans, well, that have taken decades to overcome. However, out of this popular art form came at least one truly great song. Now, it all started on a Saturday night in 1859 at Bryant's Theater in New York City. A very popular minstrel entertainer of that period, Daniel Decatur Emmett, had just finished weaving his magical spell for a most appreciative audience. Now, as he began to leave the theater, the manager called him, Hey, Dan, I need a new song by Monday night, and I want a hit. <laughs> that was only two days away. Where would he come up with a melody and lyrics for a hit song in just two days? 
<laughs> and to make matters worse, as it happened, the next day it began to rain all day. Well, that wasn't the best setting for inspiring the writing of a hit song. However, Dan forced himself to sit down and start writing. But what came out of that dark and dismal New York day in 1859 was a song that would not only sweep the nation, but would leave its indelible mark on the events of this country forever. And uh, what was the uh, name of that song? Well, now as Daniel Decatur Emmett sat there watching the rain fall, his thoughts must have turned back to a time that he, when he once lived in the South. And he must have started to think, boy, I wish I was there. I wish I was in Dixie. <laughs> and as those words ran through his head, he suddenly realized that was his new song. Well, the rest of the heartfelt words flowed out. I wish I was in the land of cotton. Old times there are not forgotten. And the song Dixie was born. It was an immediate smash hit. I mean, within days, everyone was singing this catchy song. Now, as one might imagine, the people from the South went wild for it. The biggest irony is that Emmett was not from the South. He was born and raised in Ohio. The song became an immediate runaway hit, especially in the South, and it became the piece for which Emmett was most well-known. Emmett himself reportedly told a fellow minstrel, if I'd known what use the Southerners were going to put that song to, I'll be damned if I'd have written it. After the South began using his song as a military rallying call. Emmett wrote a fife and drum manual of songs for the Union Army. Ironically, Dixie was the favorite of President Abraham Lincoln. It became a standard for the Southern armies during the Civil War. As a result, derogatory parodies of this song, Dixie, were often sung by the Union troops. As for the financial success of Daniel Decatur Emmett, unfortunately, he sold the copyright to Dixie for a mere $500, or about $17,000 in today's money. And uh, that was the last penny that he would ever earn from this most famous of all American folk songs. You know, while Daniel Decatur Emmett was a master tunesmith, as a businessman, he came up a bit short. Emmett retired to his hometown of Mount Vernon, Ohio, in 1888, where he died on June 28, 1904, at the age of 88. 
a biographical film of his life, was produced in 1943, appropriately entitled Dixie, and it starred Bing Crosby and Dorothy L'Amour. Emmett was inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame in 1970. And so, the tune Dixie continues to be sung by millions of Americans to this very day. And as for the story of Daniel Decatur Emmett, well, it can only be described as amazing and musically true. Okay, there you have it. Episode number 52 entitled, And a Star Was Born. It's part of our weekly series entitled, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, you know, each week, well, we really feel privileged to present for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true accounts from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. Now, did you know that as a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. Ooh, and that includes free shipping and handling anywhere in the United States. Ooh, wow, what a deal. For more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert Publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Herbert Bolin for his Piano Mood Happy Four. Ninad Simic for Piano Transition. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. <laughs>